What are you doing to prepare your mind for the new year? Not thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast, where four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. I'm Harmony Harkama. My co-hosts are Annie Carlson, Heather Gerwing, and Lindsay Hufford. Welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers. Help! My kids won't listen to me. This is Lindsay, and I'm here today with Harmony, Annie, and Heather. Today, we're going to talk about all things kids, listening, discipline, and homeschooling. One of the frequently asked questions we've been getting recently from parents who are new to homeschooling is how they become both their child's parent and teacher and get their kids to listen to them. The first piece of advice that I would like to share is just take the time to get to know your kids, which may seem silly. They're your kids. Of course, you know them. But kind of dig in. Talk about their likes and dislikes. What do they like about the school that they've had? Or what do they like to learn about? How do they like to learn? Some kids may say, boy, I just love to dig into a textbook. And other kids don't like textbooks at all. Maybe they like a workbook where they can produce something or maybe just read or do experiential learning. Even times of day when you don't have to work with a school schedule, maybe your kids like to sleep in. Typically, teenagers like a later start to the day and to go farther into the evening with their learning talking to them about what subjects they love or hate and building off of those ask them what they'd like to do that's the freedom when you homeschool is that you can change the schedule or you can add a course or take away something if it's not working thanks annie heather what would you add to that I agree. Going off what Annie said, going off of what Annie said, first, listening to your kids and getting feedback from them to know how best they want to handle the day. And then I think once they know that you are listening to them and their input in the day matters and they have input in their education, they will then in turn be more open to listening to you as a parent and as their educator. So Charlotte Mason, the first of her 20 principles is that children are born persons. And so there's this concept of honoring the child for who they are. And I remember when we were first homeschooling, I had this notion that I was not going to use workbooks because workbooks are boring and kids get bored by workbooks. My girls love workbooks. They will eat up a workbook. And my four-year-old will sit down and do 20 pages in a math workbook without missing a beat. So I've kind of learned that I just have to go with the flow. If they are valuing something and I honor that, I'm going to get more cooperation from them. They look forward to sitting down and doing their work if they think it is something fun. And I realize those tastes might change. So some of it I think is just being willing to come alongside them and ride whatever wave 
wave they're on and what they're enjoying. And like, I know some of you use sort of a self-paced approach and you ask your kids this year, what do you want to study this year? What do you want to read? What unit studies do you want to do? And then you go with that and they are engaged because of it. In, in the traditional public school, the curriculum's laid out for you. So teachers don't have a lot of room for choice. I remember being a teacher and not having much ability to be flexible. Annie, I don't know if you encountered that when you were teaching, but you know, you don't have a lot of space or extra. So you have to follow the curriculum. You do things in the order that you need to build upon it. It would have been great if we had had more flexibility to kind of go where the kids wanted to lead. And in homeschool, you can do that. So you have that greater freedom to explore the things they want to explore. And they're probably just going to be more cooperative because they're going to be interested. That's a great point. Thanks for sharing. Um, Speaking of classroom teaching, there's a big difference between teaching kids in a classroom and teaching kids at home. In education courses, I learned how to manage a classroom, how to present a lesson to a large number of students, keep them engaged, address their interests and learning styles within, as Harmony said, the context of the lesson. So it wasn't, what do you want to learn? It was, here's three different ways to learn how to balance chemical equations. And so we are managing large groups of people. If you translate that to the homeschool environment, it doesn't translate. I have only three of them and they know me. And so as a classroom teacher, acting classes are helpful. You can bring attention to something. You can draw it out. You can act it out. My kids are not impressed by that. They think it's weird. Mom, why are you making those faces? So it's no longer a classroom performance to keep 30 kids captivated. It's just three and they know me too well. So sitting with them, talking with them, what are you reading? How do you like it? What do you think is going to happen next? Are all ways to get a dialogue going, building a relationship. If a character in one of their stories has made a bad choice, they want to talk about it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, mom. Like he made the wrong choice. We were listening to Tom Sawyer as a family, as a read aloud. We were listening to it on audio because Nick Offerman read it and it's amazing. One day my son was like, stop the, stop the book, stop the book, mom. What is it? Mom, I don't think we should be listening to Tom Sawyer. He does not wear shoes. He does not like going to church. I don't think I should be listening to this. It's a way to build on that relationship with my son to talk about that sometimes characters and books make mistakes or aren't like we are. And how are they going to come through that? And are they going to learn from that experience? The beauty of the homeschool is that you can take the time, you can take that time out, you can talk about what they're learning, what they're having trouble with, what they're puzzled by. You can dive deep on something they're interested in, or you can gloss over something they're really not interested in. Yeah, I love that. And I know we've kind of talked in some previous episodes that several of us kind of started our homeschool career with like a very school mentality or mindset. I know one thing that's really changed for me is I think that when I originally started homeschooling, I was overly focused on obedience from my kids because I think that was what I grew up with in school. I was kind of, you know, called the teacher's pet and I was always listening to all the rules and I didn't really break rules. And I was like pretty much a model public school student. My kids now at homeschool, they probably would struggle a little bit in a public school setting if we would send them because they're used to some autonomy and agency and they're used to a level of communication that I just think you can't get. And it's not the fault of the teachers or the students. It's just like Annie said, it's the class size, right? You can't have these in-depth conversations and dive deep into arguments 
and philosophies with kids when you have 30 of them in a classroom. I also have three kids just like Annie. And I know that as I have progressed in my homeschooling career, for me, I mean, obviously there's sometimes like that obedience piece is still there, like don't run out in traffic and things like that. And there's sometimes where it's just because I said so. But a lot of the time now, I don't mind when my kids push back a little bit, as long as they do so respectfully, because there's sometimes that I may have put a rule in place. And when I really think about it, it's just arbitrary. There's not really a reason behind it. So we can talk about whether that is something that they still need to follow, or maybe we can have a discussion and think about how we can change that as a family. We were reading from By the Shores of Silver Lake by Laura Ingalls Wilder last night. And this one one scene has Laura, whatever age she is in that book, maybe 12 or 13, schooling the little girls who lived across the street in that traditional one-room schoolhouse style. So these two little girls would come over to play with her sister, Carrie, and she would have them all three sit down and she would give them instructions. So she would hand them a primer and say, study your lesson for 15 minutes, then I'll hear you recite. And of course, that's very sort of classical, old-fashioned style of doing that. And she would tell them they couldn't fidget. And I remembered then from Farmer Boy, like this was the way that school was back then. And Almanzo talking about how his leg would kick inadvertently and the teacher would look at him. And my daughter said, I'm so glad our homeschool isn't like that. Annie's talked about her kids school all over the house. Mine can school over the house. My eight-year-old was hanging upside down off the couch reading a book tonight. You know, they can get up and move. They can do puzzles or color or do all kinds of things while we're reading or listening to audiobooks or whatever it is. And they have freedom of motion. And that's one thing that I think is really difficult for kids. If you expect them to sit in one spot for hours at a time without moving, you may have difficulty. So if you can kind of relax and let them be in motion, don't feel like they need to have one designated space at a desk and let them have some physical freedom, I think that can also help with cooperation and just embracing learning at home. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's so nice that as homeschoolers, we have the freedom to allow our kids to be a little more creative with how they do their school. Now that we're on the subject of different ways to get our kids to listen, I want to talk to you about the difference between discipline and discipleship and what that means to you. In a traditional classroom, there isn't time to deal with each behavior issue or personal issue within a 50-minute class period. There isn't time to deal with a root cause. But in the homeschool, you have time to have discussions, maybe hard discussions, about behaviors, about character choices, and you can kind of ferret out what's really going on. And I think that's what I appreciate more and more as my kids are getting older. I've got some tweens now and we're starting with a little bit of a little bit of pushback and some attitude and I can deal with that and I can say, what's going on? How come you're upset? How, what, what, what's frustrating you right now? And we can get to the bottom of that if it's an issue between some of my kids. With three kids, two are always going to get along and one's always going to be on the outs. That's 
how I was growing up with two siblings, and that's how I've found my kids to be. So dealing with sibling conflict, you can take the time and deal with it. There was a time when I was in high school, my sister and I were on the same basketball team, and the coach we had that year made us compete against each other for a spot on the varsity starting lineup. And my sister and I did not speak to each other for three months of basketball season. That really wounded my mom. She really felt badly about that. But there really wasn't much she could do about it. There just wasn't time in the day to sit us down and talk it through. And so I really appreciate being able to disciple my kids, to have those discussions about behavior and character and good choices as they've come along in our family. Yeah, I would say in our homeschool, there is a high importance on my kids' behaviors and their attitudes, their level of respect to myself and their siblings, that all comes before what a book is going to teach us. They know that. So we have spent a lot of time, you know, my oldest is going into high school, but pretty much every year since we've started, we've studied some sort of character. It's always being infused into our homeschool, whether we're using different curriculums or different things that I found online. We're always using some tool to help us grow and focus on the importance of those things. One that we've used recently, I forget who it's by, we can put it in the notes, but the Young Peacemakers. Mm. That's all about siblings and getting along. And my kids know that. And I'm not saying like, I do not have perfect kids. We go through highs and lows like everybody else. We'll have seasons where everybody is getting along great. I came downstairs the other day and my kids were all playing Clue and I'm like, this is great. This is what I want to see. But then there's also days where I am on the couch crying my eyes out going, why can't you all just get along? I remember telling my kids it was after just a few days of frustration, frustration, frustration in their relationships and they're getting along. I'm like, I want this home to be a place where you guys want to come back to when you're older. And if you keep this up, it's not going to be. (laughs) And I was in tears. So I guess I just say that to say we're all going to struggle or there's always going to be times when our kids don't listen or our kids don't get along or our kids don't want us to be their homeschooling parent. Half the time they might not even want us to be their mom, but there's also the times when they do. I just try to focus on those times and go back to those times when it is hard and when they're not listening. I keep the little notes that my kids wrote me when they were little, like, thank you for homeschooling me because there are days when I need to read those. (laughs) I love that you shared such a vulnerable story because it's so true. We all still have really bad days. And I think a lot of people assume because we homeschool, we have these little picture perfect families. But just like Heather said, just last week on Friday, I really lost my cool with my kids because we had had a few days in a row of some really poor attitudes. It had just gotten to the point where I let myself get a little bit too bothered by it and I hadn't addressed it well enough. And I blew up at my kids and then, And that was a great reset for us though. And an opportunity for me to talk to them about where I needed to change my attitude as well. Like I didn't need to yell at them. And I can model that for them, right? That none of us are perfect and we're going to have bad days. And anytime you get more than one human in a room, you're going to have conflict arise from time to time. But we have the time to navigate those things together as a family. Also, we can talk about those things together versus me just telling them what to do. And it's really important how we speak to our kids. If we want our kids to be respectful to us and do what we ask, we need to do the same to them. So if I say to my kids, well, today we'll use this example, clean off the table. And I ask three times and finally they've done it. It's clean now. When they ask me for help, mom, can you help me on this problem? Not right now. Mom, can you help me with this? Not right now. If I keep putting them off, 
they will do the same to me. Not intentionally, but just that's how they think we're going to operate. Using please and thank you, making sure that I ask my kids, could you please take this over there? Or could you please take the cat out or whatever. Using please and thank you models that behavior for them. This is how we will act and how we will speak to each other and how we will respond in this family. One thing that you guys just made me think of too is having the intuition to know when you need to reset. There are families who go six weeks on, one week off, and they take a week break because it refreshes everybody. If you get into a space where attitudes are degenerating, <laughs> is that the right word? Things are crumbling, where maybe you need a break. And sometimes that can just even happen during a, a given day and you just need to go, is this the end of the day? Like, do we need to stop here? Or do does everybody need to take a half an hour and go outside and then come back to it? Have we been at the books too long? And that can also help speak into how you structure your days. Having reading time and sitting time broken up by other things, hands-on stuff or outside time and finding a way that suits everyone's personality can help those attitudes to be more positive. I don't try to do stuff with my four-year-old at 4.30 p.m. because there's a meltdown every time. And Pam Barnhill always says, don't do math first thing in the morning. <laughs> and I know families who start with math and it works for them, but it's, so it's, it's really the point is figure out what suits everyone's personality best so that you can have more cheerful attitudes from everyone. I think you're right, Harmony, that often those times where, if, especially if there seems to be a pattern of bad attitudes or unkindness or things like that, it's usually an indicator that something else is going on that we need to either have a reset or just address that. And I know for us, if the attitudes are off, but the math is great, I'm going to put the math away and we're going to focus on the attitudes for a while mm-hmm. because we can always catch back up with the math. But I mean, one of my biggest goals for when my kids leave my home is that they are kind people who make a difference in the world for themselves and others. You know, they can do that with or without algebra, but they really need to have that foundation of treating each other well as siblings first, and then treating my husband and I well, you know, as a family unit, and then going out and doing that to others too. Yeah. And I think even for parents who are going to put their kids back into public school, when those the situation in the public schools is better, it's not a waste of time to spend time on habit training and attitudes and courtesy and respect and cooperation and learning together and fostering and nurturing those relationships, because it's just character training for life and it's relationship training. And it's only going to benefit them when they do go back into public school. So it's not going to be lost. It's not wasted effort. Okay, ladies, imagine this scene. You're midway through your homeschooling day. Your morning has been going rough and it's just getting worse. What is the first thing you do? Have a snack. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because hangry is real in the homeschool. Time out. We're going to have a snack and we're going to have it together. They can't take it to their room or somewhere else. We're going to look at each other. And then I will probably either start an audiobook or pull a book off the shelf and just read. And they can snuggle up in a blanket. They can cuddle the cat. They can do whatever, but just get a little comfort and start over. Was it Robert Fulgham who said the world would be so much a better place if everyone had warm cookies and cold milk in the afternoon, then laid down with their blankies and took a nap? Yes. You know, and in post school, you 
can't do that past kindergarten if they even still do that in kindergarten today. But in homeschool, you can. You can have blankies and naps and snacks and cuddle on the couch and make everybody feel better. You guys are better than me because I would just go in my room and shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that though. Right. So there are times when you have a time <laughs> Yeah. Or just walk away. Like I need to go away from you all. I mean Yeah, like if emotions are high and all over the place and I just know nothing else is happening. Like I kind of just need to get myself away from that because sometimes I'm fuel to the fire mm-hmm. and I have to go in my room and shut the door. I go in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I say, mommy has to go to the bathroom and I go in the bathroom because it's the only place I can go and like lock the door and they won't bother me because they think I'm really going to the bathroom, but I'm really just getting away for a minute. There are times. I think you guys just brought up something really important though, is that we've been talking a lot about trying to figure out our kids and where their attitudes are coming from, but you're right. Sometimes the problem is the parent. (laughs) And sometimes I have to like do the little evaluation on myself of, you know, how much did I sleep last night? Did I eat breakfast yet? Have I had my coffee? Just all of these things that sometimes can put me in a poor mood that then rubs off on my children. Harmony, what about you if your day is just going terrible? Definitely the snack, sometimes outside, sometimes just switching gears. So, you know, maybe I'll put in an audiobook that they love or, you know, I'll say, do you need to get an art project? My girls are really crafty and they like to color and draw. I'll say, what do you need to do right now? Or I just ask them, what do you want to do? Do you want to take a break? Do you want to come back to this later? Because it doesn't hurt. Sometimes they're just done or they just want something else. If the lesson is bringing tears or shouting, you know, sometimes my four-year-old will pick something up and pitch it off the desk onto the floor. I know it's like, okay, let's do something else because somehow control is being lost. It's, it's never worth it to push through a lesson or a book and to make everyone miserable. Oh, amen to that. Because they're not going to take it in at that point. We've been talking about what do our kids like to do, but we also can consider ourselves as the teacher what will work for you? Can you find a place where what your kids enjoy and what you enjoy teaching fits together? And we talked in another episode about teaching with your strengths, you know, Mm -hmm. and so that outsourcing piece, if you hate the math, teaching textbooks, if you hate the science, find a co-op that teaches science, whatever it is, teach the things that you enjoy and that make everybody happy together. That was such great advice. And I think, yeah, all of that was really your advice. (laughs) (laughs) You're the one who said that. Yeah. be from a parenting or a homeschooling or kind of both because really both worlds kind of are together. Do you have any favorite resources that you can think of that you'd like to share with the listeners? I remember when my oldest turned three, three teenagers are real. Mm -hmm. They just are, particularly your first one because your sweet baby suddenly has horns. John was struggling. He's like, you got to get us a book or something. We found... Dr. Kevin Lehman, and he's written 60-some books now. He's known as the Birth Order Guy. That's his website, birtorderguy.com. But he also wrote two books that really have saved us, and they are How to Make Your Child Mind Without Losing Yours and Have a New Kid by Friday. He's just got so much wisdom. He also has a podcast. Have a New Kid by Friday is the podcast. They're just 20-minute episodes where he deals with a parent question and his advice for it. But he gives so much good advice on just keeping your cool as a parent. The thing uh, that he says, 
most often is respond, don't react. Going back to our previous example, where kid is just starting off on the wrong foot, just responding to them and asking, like Harmony said, what do you need? What would you like to do? How do you want to fix this? Versus reacting, like you better get your attitude changed and respond rather than react. He also talks about consequences versus threats. That was big for us. We came, both John and I came from homes where threats were made that we knew as kids they were never going to do. So Dr. Lehman's advice was have consequences that will be carried out rather than threats that will never happen. It's given us just a pause, like, okay, how am I going to respond here rather than react? Dr. Lehman also uses the phrase, give them a healthy dose of vitamin N, which is no, and then a reason why it's not going to happen. He's been really instrumental for us. I listen to his podcast every week. And like I said, I have those books and we refer back to them often because he's just so common sense, has a good dose of humor to each of his scenarios. He's really helped John and I kind of navigate these parenting waters. That is actually one of my favorites too. And something I always remember and come back to from that book is disciplining for the ABCs, attitude, behavior, and character. Those are, you know, the top three things that we're always looking for in our kids. Those are the things we're disciplining for if they get off track. When my kids were younger, I used, I guess I would call it a curriculum. It's We Choose Virtues. They have different flashcards that you can buy and they have a classroom setting or a homeschool setting or even just like a parent set of flashcards and they focus on each card focuses on a character and I've even taught it at our homeschool co-op. So I went through that with all four of my kids when they were younger and it just helps them remember the character and then remember the definition of the character trait. And then also, like I mentioned earlier, the young peacemakers for siblings and behavior. That's maybe like a 10 or 12 week course that you can go through. So they would be two that I would recommend. My sister, who has four boys and now a girl as well, turned me on to Parenting with Love and Logic. And that was really helpful. Probably one of the most helpful pieces of advice in that book was giving choices so that they always feel like they have some agency. When things go off the rails that you have consequences that fit, they're not random. It's not about punishing. It's more logical. I thought three was hard. I actually think four is the hardest age. I feel like there is a developmental stage. I call it the screaming stage where just just wanting to be heard and trying to articulate and stake your claim on your territory in the family. And so my four-year-old right now, it's challenging sometimes to get her to understand that she can be heard without screaming or throwing things and having control over their emotions. Feelings are big at that age. I've kind of learned to, and maybe this is just that I have emotional girls. Most of the time when things are going off the rails, what they really need is for me to stop and to look into their eyes and to give them some affirmations and some affection. They need a hug and a cuddle. And that can turn everything right around, tuning into them, being fully present and loving on them a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think that those have all been amazing resources so far. One I would add to that is Simplicity Parenting by mm-hmm. Kate It's probably one of my yep. favorite parenting books. I go back to it frequently. It definitely does have a little bit of a minimalist flavor to it. There is a part of the book that talks about streamlining your home, but he also talks a lot about establishing rhythms, you know, monitoring your kids' media intake, creating a home there where kids feel safe, calm. And I just really love that book. So I go back to it all the time. And I feel like, especially when I need a reset, it helps me to reprioritize some things in our family. Yeah. And rhythms and routine can go a long way because then kids know what to expect. It's twofold. You want to have rhythms and routines that scaffold the day so your kids feel secure and like they know what's coming. But then when those aren't 
aren't working, you want to be able to be flexible and deviate from them in ways that make sense to nurture everybody. So it's having the routines, but also knowing when to do something different. It's kind of that intuitive piece. If you can try to zero in on when the rhythms and routines aren't working or when they need a tweak or when the day is just not working right, both things can help you. It's helpful to have that structure. And then it's also helpful to be able to depart from that structure when that's what everyone needs. Ladies, thanks so much for this conversation today. I'm sure that we could all talk about this for another hour, but maybe we'll come and revisit getting your kids to listen to you in another episode. I'm going to end today by asking you what's saving your homeschool this week. Heather, do you want to start us off? So what is saving my homeschool right now is just making sure I take time for myself. And that means a little bit of quiet time in the afternoon, making sure I have time to read a chapter of a book for myself that's not related to my kids' education, but just something for myself. How about you, Annie? What is saving my homeschool is my milk crates. I use them to organize art supplies, my curriculum for the kids, their work is all sort in milk crates. They're easily portable. I usually work five weeks at a time. I get everything laid out and organized. Um, Usually on a Sunday afternoon, I'll put a movie on and go to my bedroom and just use my big king size bed to get organized. And I can just grab that milk crate off the shelf and all of my stuff is in there. It's organized by child and by subject, however I need it to be. And it really is a great way to be portable. Um, I can take it to any room in the house or even out of the house. Keeps things together and where I need to find them. I love it. Harmony, what about you? Well, actually, today was our first day of homeschooling and listeners obviously will be hearing this sometime later, but the night before we start school, I traditionally do a back to school dinner. So I have a special tablecloth with apples on it and special napkins with inspirational words. And I always make homemade spaghetti and meatballs and chocolate chip cookie pie that you bake in a skillet and we have ice cream. And so it's the same menu every year, but the girls really look forward to it. And it sort of just sets the tone, like beginning the year with a tone of celebration that this is exciting. It's fun. We're celebrating it with a special dinner. And then they get some new stuff. They get new activity books. So coloring books. Osborne has these books called Sticker Dolly Dressing, where they dress up the dolls with stickers on every page. And I usually get them a new one of those. And then some new free reading books for themselves, some new art supplies, so fresh markers, colored pencils, those kinds of things. It gives them a little just a boost. They have things to do during our read aloud time and to bring into the school day that aren't necessarily just academic. And it gets everyone all excited and sort of helps helps us get off on the right foot. Back to school is a little bit like Christmas, which really sets the tone. It was a good first day of school today. There was a lot of excitement and buy-in. I love that. And I love those special traditions that we create in our families around the beginning of the school year. Even though several of us school year round, we still like to have an occasion to mark our first day of our fall semester too. I have to say that what is saving our homeschool this week is our new math curriculum. We switched math curriculums this year and we're using Math Mammoth, which a couple of friends of mine have used and really enjoyed. And we just felt like we needed something different from what we were using last year. And this week, all three kids have told me how much they like their math, which is a huge win. So I'm going to take that one all the way to the back. It is a win. (laughs) Ladies, thanks again for joining me here today. 
You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.